Are you looking for a musical conversation with substance? Inclusive, with hosts just like you. Well, we have you covered. Welcome to the Music Challenge Podcast. Sit back and relax. I'm Andrew with Jake, Kevin, and Rob, and we're sharing our favorite top shelf albums. Come for the music and stay for the conversation. And welcome to the Music Challenge Podcast. My name is Andrew, and uh, we're glad to have you tonight. We are in the missing Jed formation. Unfortunately, Jed had a death in the family. So it's uh, me, Kevin, and Rob. So what can we say? And tonight we're going to be uh, chatting about uh, Led Zeppelin, uh, the album Presence, as well as Black Crows. What is the name of that album, Rob? Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. There you go. Southern Harmony Musical Companion. An excellent album. Uh, for sure. So you want to hang around and we talk about that and talk about uh, how these two bands correspond with each other. Kevin, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Um, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been great listening to these two albums for the past week or so, um, or maybe even, I don't know, has it been that long? Rob, maybe, maybe, yeah, but, uh, or something close. <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, no, it's been fun. Uh, my kids are finally out of school. Finally. Um, as of yesterday. So really? Yeah. They've been in school until yesterday. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, they're living the life now that, uh, that I wish I was, um, sleep until noon. Right. Just hanging out. But uh, no, otherwise, uh, things are good, um, about as good as I can ask for. Um, and uh, yeah, just happy to be here. I, uh, Jed, we're definitely uh, sending one out for you, buddy. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I know you're not listening right now, but uh, <laughs> Jed listens. No, I don't think he needs to. Um, but right. hopefully, he can be with us. Uh, he's with us in spirit. Um, so, how are you doing, Andrew? Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just kicking it, uh, doing the same stuff I've been doing, uh, you know, keeping busy, uh, podcasting, just produced another podcast, which we will release at a later date and, uh, you know, skipping around with my band a little bit, um, nothing serious, uh, same thing with them. We can't get all four of us in the same place at the same time. So it's yeah, it, it's tough to do now that everything's open, right? Because that's what everything open means. Everybody's got stuff to do and it's totally. hard getting everyone. Well, it's together. a lot of special circumstance stuff too. So totally. Um, yeah. I mean, there was a tornado that ripped through your damn neighborhood. Yeah. yeah I forgot I mean, about like, that. There's a tornado in my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> like three days ago, like a half a mile from his house, like yeah. 200 yards wide. Yeah. It was, uh, it was fierce. I was all over Twitter that night, you know, typed in Woodridge tornado and people chiming in all over the place with photographs and some yeah, kind real of time reports, right? marginal news. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was in storm chasers and, um, different shit like that. And, you know, they're talking about how just how incredibly dangerous this tornado was because it was oh, raining in an incredibly densely populated area and it was at night so no one could see it yeah and and uh they're just like this is one of the worst worst situations that can happen but luckily uh can't believe no one died in the tornado it was right i mean as populated as that area is and folks, I, we're not sure where you're all located, but 
this thing was like two football fields wide and it traveled for like, it was traveling at 50 miles an hour for what? 15 miles maybe? Something like that. Yeah. I mean, that is a huge, and it's a populated area. It's a miracle that nobody died. I can't believe yeah. it. It rolled it right truly through my- is. Yeah. It looked like it was from a movie. The pictures totally. of it that were, it looked so wide. And like you'd said, Andrew, it was what, as wide as a football field. Um, two football least, wasn't it 200 yards wide or something uh, i don't I didn't hear any official i've driven through the damage like i just drove through it tonight you know and, yeah uh i've driven through it several times just to get to my house get to the house and it's shocking right yeah it's absolutely shocking it's i mean it's i mean these trees that are huge and old just snapped in half and you know, roofs off of every house and, you know, just, just crazy. Just crazy. Wow. Wow. So it was, it was no small deal, but, uh, like I said, everyone's, you know, seems that everyone's okay. When, Glad when, to hear that. Yeah, for sure. We'll post a couple of pictures of the Woodridge tornado on our Facebook page or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everyone will love that. But that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> Disaster porn. <laughs> hey, this thing, this thing took out my house last night. Check you later. Download the podcast. <laughs> oh, shit. So, any case, uh, Kevin, or, uh, Rob, the one and only, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Um, same old work and um, listening to music. Enjoy. Of course, these are two records that are constantly in my yeah, dude. My thanks rotation. for choosing them for hey, sure. Absolutely, I love these two. Um, but um, that's about it. So what driving my up? oh um oh okay no uh, we don't no have to I was it right away. What else has been yeah. going on? So I, I was just gonna say next Wednesday I'm driving my daughter to my mom's out in Pennsylvania. She's staying for like three and a half weeks or something like that. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, chilling out at my mom's in the mountains for a couple of days, driving back 4th of July, 3rd of July. Yeah. Outstanding. Enjoy that. Right so, so tell us about these albums. Why'd you choose them? Back to Presence and uh, Southern Harmony Music. Yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, obviously you guys have all um, heard me mention Zeppelin on a million different occasions. And these two know that um, I mean, we all love Led Zeppelin. Like it was, it was all formative to, to all of us, but uh, I mean, I'm super passionate about it. And this is one of their records that I think kind of flies under the radar, but I listen to currently all the time and still holds up like right now beautifully. And not to say that, other stuff that they do doesn't hold up but this i mean this was kind of like out on a limb i feel um and it it's it worked and it works it still works so um i just love like kind of getting people into this record so i had told a couple people a couple friends of ours that this was the subject of this week's podcast and 
both of them listen to it and they're like, holy shit, I knew nothing about that album. And it's freaking awesome. I'm like, hell yeah. And if I do that, I've done that to two people this week. If I do it to two more, my, my, you know, that's my deed. But anyways, um, right on. So what are, what are your guys feelings on, on presence? First off. Um, well, first of all, there's no other album that sounds like this. Uh, right. it's, I mean, not only Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin album, I mean, I would dare anyone to find an album that sounds like this. I mean, you'd have to go back to time and place and it's just not possible. It's complicated. It's got some really complicated beats in it. For it's sure. not as immediately, it's, most of it's not as immediately hooky as, as some of the other stuff. However, Achilles Correct. last stand obviously is, so it's nobody's fault but mine. Right. Um, but uh, it's got a variety of uh, songs on it. And um, it was actually, um, I personally picked up this album on tape when I was in high school. <laughs> so we're talking like 86? Yeah, 86, 87, something like that. And um, uh, so I, I didn't have all the Zeppelin albums. I was aware of them all. But this is, I don't think I was, I don't think I'd ever heard this one. So I got it. Nor um, did I. I mean, I got I it didn't... used. <laughs> okay. You got it used at a used yeah, tape store. Yeah, used tape store. And, uh, um, and the the start aside one was uh, Achilles Last Stand. The start aside two was nobody's fault but mine. I fell in love with those two, sure, pretty quick and immediately. So and what it, about you? It, it's yeah. hard not to, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a giant Zephyr, so I mean, pretty much, you know, anything at that point, you know. I mean, at that point, I was just soaking in music, so. You know, I was far from being critical about it or anything like that. So, because it was uh, all obvi- obviously new at that point, because it was right, new. right, yeah, it was new to me. It was new at that point. I mean, you know, what about you, Kevin? Well, what's I think hearing this album and really diving into it for me made me realize that. I was really well-versed in the first half of Led Zeppelin's career. Sure. The second half, not so much. And this album does absolutely rule. Um, There was so much on it. Like, I knew Achilles' Last Stand, but I didn't have as deep a sense of appreciation for it as I did after listening to it. And not just that. I mean, like, that is... If this album has any faults, it's only that not every song sounds as good as Achilles' Last Stand. But otherwise, like, that's the only fault of this album. And how could they possibly? Well, it's so, like, it's so funny to me that this, you know, just kind of reading about the circumstances under which this album was constructed and how kind of simply it was made. you know, there wasn't any synthesizers or keyboards totally. or and, anything. And, and they that's just what Paige John said, Paul right? Jones a bass and said, play bass. And he's like, right. all right, I'm going to play a fucking eight string bass. Well, hell yeah. On, one, on Achilles, he did. Right? Like in uh, Bonzo on that song is just. Um, Dude, he's like, a freaking beast. I mean, that's, that's he, like. That, like, yeah. That drum 
the drumming in that song inspired an entire generation of drummers. Exhibit I mean, A, right? Like, like, holy crap. Um, he is a force. And, right. you know, just this album, it, it's got Jimmy Page's fingerprints all over it. The guitar solos are just amazing. Like Dude, for your the, life, the, that's like, what I was gonna say. Like for oh your life, God. into Royal Orleans. I mean, those are tunes that that take a minute and they'll make you work a little bit. But then you listen to them and you're like, God damn it! It's it's amazing. Like yeah. amazing songwriting. It's beautiful. Yeah. I I love this freaking record. Yeah, yeah, I mean, from really the first strokes of Achilles, I mean, you can you can hear that it, it's gonna be it's gonna be powerful, and I mean, they definitely to me Achilles' last stand is kind of tantamount to the immigrant song, but in a ten minute format or something like that. I mean, right. it is balls out, and uh, and it yeah. just keeps coming at you too. Right, right. It 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 doesn't it doesn't relent. And uh, matter of fact, it, <laughs> that's it gets, a perfect description, man. It yeah, does not it relent. It's fucking relentless, right? It's right. ten minutes. It's a sonic assault, and it is relentless. Like it's an exercise in like god level drumming and bass you know, playing is freakish. I it, mean, right. as it always is in Led Zeppelin. Right. But I mean, those two again. I mean, it's an eight-string yeah. bass for a reason. Yes. Um, the just the sounds that are coming out of those two are just um, they're so gorgeous. And then you know, on the studio track, Jimmy uh, Page layered what six guitars yeah. <laughs> on some of the, on that thing. So yeah, yeah. I mean, the even screech, just screeching and the wailing on them and all that kind of stuff. And exactly. You gotta, it's, it's pretty it's, incredible. Oh my god, it's it's like it's on some level. It the only thing I can think of that compares to it is like the wall of sound. Um, just all of those speakers, like that's the kind of song you would want to hear coming out. Of oh, it, yeah. Right? Like it would right. have been nice to hear Zeppelin play on those speakers. Here, guys, play through this real quick. Just once. Exactly. Just so just, exactly. Um, good Lord. But yeah, I mean, this um, this was so cool to get to just kind of dive into for the first time, man. I, I really dug this album. And, and obviously, um, Drew, like you said, Second side starts nobody's fault but mine, which is epic as well in my eyes. But your feelings on like the second half and, um, you know, candy store rock, obviously. But then like hot, hot on for nowhere. I mean, in some of the harmonica, I don't know. I, it, I know it's fairly simple. So let's go through the, so, let's go through the songs here. Actually, let's, yeah. um, for your life. I mean, we talked about Achilles last stand. Uh, for your life, which is kind of a, a blues chugger type deal, right? And I think it's very classic, a John Bonham sounding, um, right? 
you know, and, and it, I mean, it sounds like a plant vehicle of, uh, you know, with him going over the top of it. Um, do you like that song a lot, right, right Rob? I, I, I love that tune. I yeah. love that tune. I love it. Yeah. It's great. And um, I love the guitar riff, man. I really do. Yeah. Jimmy Page sounds great on this one. He played a Stratocaster on this one, actually, for you uh, guitar heads at home. Interesting. Uh, I didn't know that, Drew. That. Yeah. Yep. You did. Uh, I tried to list for the difference because he did it on another song too, um, and it's it's kind of hard to tell. Right. But uh, so you like the Royal Orleans a lot, Rob? Why don't you tell us why you like the Royal Orleans? It. Uh, uh, it's got that like I don't know if it's a southern kind of the meters feel. Yeah. They sound like and, the meters, dude. Right. I mean, that's it, what's so cool about it. It's got that influence, man. Like the you know The Meters being the Tantamount New Orleans band with uh George not, Porter Jr. and it's, like, it's yeah, not just a clever legends. name, I feel like. You know what I'm saying? No, I mean, it's, you know, it's one of the most legendary bands on the planet. And so, you know, it's to me, like, they're kind of so, tip. Sorry for explaining them then. <laughs> well, no, it's, I mean, but, it's the fucking meters. Like, every jam band tried to sound like them, but sure. Led Zeppelin, yeah, like, they just kind of did their own thing with it in a very simple way that just, I don't know, sounded funky as hell. This is the only one I, they all wrote together on the album. I mean, it was created in, in the studio pretty much. And, and were you going to say, Kevin, like a tip of their hat to that style? Yeah, almost? I think like, so. Yeah. I mean, they were like, yeah, they were, yeah, it was kind without, of a not without, fun like, time. They were having without like words. mocking it, but really no. well, well done. Uh, yeah. I think. Yeah. I, I would say so. I mean, you know, they were clearly like, Jimmy Page had a lot of influences. You know, he grew up as a kid in England, right? Like he, right. like he idolized some of these guys, some of these old rockabilly things too, right? You know, totally. and, and there's nods to that on this album. You sure. know, like so. I think on some level, like Led Zeppelin was a band that had, you know, they were like a, they had this mishmash of influences, right? Like this almost sloppy like blues, and you know, the like music chameleons almost. Yeah, they, they just had this wide range of influences. And then what? They were tax exiles. So they were living in like some Morocco or some shit like that. Greece. Right? Greece. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. That's where Plant was when he. Yeah. Uh, and let, that let's, was, let's, let's give the circumstances that, that we talked about uh, of the recording. Uh, Robert Plant was in a really bad car accident he, in uh, 19. Was he not in a wheelchair when he recorded this? Yes, he was. Yeah. He and his wife, like his, her, her, his wife fractured her skull or something like that at the time. And he didn't know if he was going to walk again. Right? right. Like, yeah. And so he was miserable, depressed and lonely. Hence the T for one. Um, but yeah. And, like, and nobody's fault but mine, I think was, was, was done because of that. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, he was depressed as hell. And, you know, Jimmy, like Jimmy Page was just trying to, like, he was working his ass off in the studio to get this thing done, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, and here's the reason is the Rolling Stones have the, the studio book for the next day. As mm-hmm. a matter of fact, he had to take two days from the Rolling Stones, like, you know, pretty much call Mick this. Jagger and say, hey, can I have these two days of your recording time? Right. Yeah, I just, to supposedly do a marathon uh, recording session of the overdubs and everything like that and to finish the it's, album. Sounds like Jimmy Page. And he uh, sure yeah. shit did, yeah, right? It's, yes, uh, he, yeah. <laughs> in any case, yeah, Robert Plant went to Malibu to heal up and he wrote most of these songs. Him and Jimmy Page wrote most of these songs and then they brought him into the studio. They brought the other two in and... Uh, and you know, brought him on with the end. They recorded it in like what seventeen days or something like that. Very, very so, quick turnaround, right? Right. So that that's the whole story of how this album came together. Um, that we've alluded to now several times. So I thought it was worth explaining. <laughs> so, um, and I know I again I mentioned nobody's fault but mine. I've mentioned it like right. six freaking times, but as we're continuing down the line. Right. Um, yeah, it's an incredible song. Absolutely. And how about that? Uh, the harmonica solo by Robert Plant is fucking incredible. What a <laughs> displaymanship of uh, versatility there. It's not complicated, but it's it's so perfectly placed and soulful. Soulful, I dig it. Right, I dig it too. I mean, that's all you need, man. I mean, yeah. when, when they like drop the hammer on nobody's fault but mine, man, it is a it is like oh, so that's that's you're what, right. That's what Led Zeppelin is. Um, and you can just imagine seeing that shit like live in front of you, like ten feet in the air, just like holy shit. Yeah. For sure. I mean, that shit would blow your hair back, dude. Yeah, I always wondered what they actually sounded like in concert because of like nineteen uh, seventy sound systems were <laughs> not what they are today, and sure. we're spoiled with sound systems with the bands that we go around and follow. So this was like this was the two bands. There were three actually, if you really break it down. Like, so I had a conversation with my uncle once who grew up. He was a teenager during this time. Right. Right. So in the early 70s, right? So basically it was either Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, or Zeppelin. It was like those were the three main bands. You were either like you those didn't were like, the guys you were going to see. Pretty well, yeah, but you definitely but you were either in one of the, the three camp. Okay. Yeah, there were like three separate camps, and, and those were the three kind of yeah, those were the three big ones. You know, and so, yeah, I could imagine. But it would be hard for me not to be in the black. That's the thing. I'd be in all. I'd probably see all three of them. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! I would definitely see all three of them. Yeah, but I would be. There's not a Black Sabbath show 
or a Led Zeppelin show that I wouldn't have gone to if it was in fucking Or a Deep Chowder. Purple show. Or a Deep Purple show, yes. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> right. It was really Zeppelin. I mean, I, well, Deep uh, one of these things is not like the other. Is, is oh, yeah. Trying to it point was, out. There you go. So it was really Zeppelin and, uh, and Black Sabbath. Were the, those were maybe the two, you know? Like maybe right. more so than the three. But definitely the top two were those two. It, right. I mean, what's to argue, right? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> so getting back to this album, right? So after Nobody's right. Fault But Mine, we got Candy Store Rock, right? Which right. Plant is kind of, oh, I mean, Plant has a fascination with uh, kind of 50s and 60s, 50s, Absolutely. like Absolutely. pop rock or something like that. Right. Yeah, the like Honey Drippers. pop. The Honey exactly. Drippers is a prime example. And when uh, he had his improvisation spots live, he would often bust into like lyrics from 50s pop music and shit like that I mean, too. And I mean not to say that Paige wouldn't play it behind him, but you know those were mean. the songs that did that got those guys into wanting to make a band in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. The songs they heard on the radio as kids. Absolutely. Little Richard shit like that. Didn't mind yeah. to get records, all that stuff. Yeah. Yep. I mean that was the stuff that turned them on. Moving on to Hot Town for Nowhere. Uh I actually dug this song a lot. Uh, about Robert Plant's time in Malibu when he wrote these songs. Uh, again, Paige on a Stratocaster. But uh, I really dig the vocals in this song. think it's amazing yeah it's punchy it's it's uh it's uh it's a pretty good little tune i like it then we got t for two for one t for one i even typed that in wrong here, let me get that here <laughs> you only had to type one number and i got it wrong so um, great little freaking bluesy tune right yeah yeah yeah, I mean, it, I just listened to it and it's like, holy shit, this sounds like since I've been loving you. And uh, it turns out that plant did associate the two together as both of them are about not being with his family. Right. So. Yeah, like he was, I mean, he was really depressed writing this song, right? Like he, this is basically like, you know, I, I'm just kind of sitting here by myself. Woe was me. And then, you know, right. that like the guitar solo that Jimmy Page rips through, um, like just the tone of his guitar on this song is, uh, he wails, he really, this song, this was the one that I didn't really, I don't know if I'd even heard it before, to be honest with you. Like I said, I'm pretty bad at the last half of Zeppelin's career. I just sure. had kind of written it off as like, okay, it's a decline, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'd already right. kind of gotten into other music. It's um, different. Right? And like a song like this is, yeah, it's not, 
I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's got those kind of bluesy, whaley sounds to it. And, you know, the, the pain that Plant was going through at the time is palpable in this song. Right. You're right. That's the, that's the thing behind Led Zeppelin that I've always thought, and that describes him to a T, Kevin, is like the pain is palpable. Like you can, like you feel what they're putting down. Like I, at least that's what I feel like. I, yeah. I, that's why Zeppelin moves me so much so often is like, I feel what they're saying or playing. Like there's, you can't teach soul and they've well, got some freaking soul. If you think about like, you know, the first album they made, right. It was like bluesy and simple. Right, there weren't right. any keyboards, anything. Right, 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 right. There's a little organ, but right, like very, yeah. But it's there's actually it's no more, keyboard keyboards on this album. No, oh, well, on this one, yeah. I, well, and on this one, yeah, it's even simpler when you think about it, right? Because right. after it's, that first album, their music got more and more complex. They added more layers to it. They added yep. more symphonic yep. elements. They added more composed elements, like all of that stuff. Yeah, and it was like this album on its most simple terms was like, okay, strip it down to the nuts and bolts of what we do. And, you know, Jimmy Page just kind of runs through this thing. And the- Look, I can still do this kind of thing, right? Well, and, you know, just the, the backbone of John Bonham and John Paul Jones. Um, hell, you know, like- the every song, you know, you just hear how great they sound together. And right. I mean, from the very first notes of this album, it's it's an amazing, amazing feat of work. They, um, they are the, kind of a little masterpiece that I, like I said, I, I was pretty ignorant about. And I don't know. They're like the absolute more. foundation, obviously, of Led Zeppelin. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be possible without Bonham and John Paul Jones, right? Not at all. <laughs> no. Not at all. So have you guys ever looked at this album cover before? Yeah. The obelisk. Yeah. The, is, is this the, one of those Strom the, Thurgerson deals? The object. Right. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it's the obelisk, uh, right? Uh, known as the object. Uh, it's an obelisk. or It resembles an obelisk. Not quite. But, uh, yeah, so... Um, it was supposed to like represent the presence of Led Zeppelin as in they couldn't even be represented by pictures. It, it was, and that's what the family was looking at on the opening cover. Well, the object ended up on Pawn Stars. Well, right. Exactly. Nice. They, How much they, was it worth? A couple grand. I did not I watch it. I did not watch it. To tell you uh, I think, I think they're worth, you can, you can find them on like, eBay or something for a couple grand and they sent them out as a promotion. I can't remember how many they made. It was like 300. So they sent them out to like media and shit like that. Oh, I think I read about that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So people make single piece of art. Okay. People have made, um, like reproductions of them. And I thought about buying one because I just want one, but I'd love to have a real one. 
but they're a couple G's. I don't know. It's yeah. a neat thing though. Yeah. And it's something like tangible that like Led Zeppelin was like, we made this and we sent this out in our promotional pack, right? Does your it. daughter have artistic skills? She does. Woodworking Sign skills? her up for a clay class, maybe? <laughs> a, like a clay baking class? Make and me make, make one me of those things? Yeah, dude. <laughs> Get her schematics. That's a good idea. That's what I'm talking about. Or get yourself a 3D printer and uh, make yourself <laughs> shoot out some uh, plastic obelisks. I'll, if I get a 3D printer, I'm making you guys a freaking object too. Obelisk object. Yeah, make us all one. That'd be cool. Be outstanding. Devalue. Devalue. Okay. Well, I guess that wraps it up for presents at the moment. Uh, I think we're going to tie that into some uh, Black Crows when we get back of the album, of which I cannot and never will remember the name of. <laughs> Southern Harmony, a musical companion. Way too long. <laughs> Southern Harmony, a musical companion. I will have forgotten it by the time we get back. <laughs> we'll see you guys in a few. I tell you what, why don't why don't we uh uh Rob, why don't you pick one to go out on since you're out? Why don't why don't we go out on T for one? T for one, it is. Uh get ready to take your antidepressants. So uh <laughs> oh, I don't know why I said that. Uh in any case, uh we're going out on T for one and uh we'll be back in just a few minutes. See y'all. from the Music Challenge Podcast, and I want to tell you how you can help us bring you more awesome music commentary episodes. You can subscribe in the listening app of your choice, or you can share this episode with someone you think might dig it. Please leave a rating and review for us on the listening app of your choice, or you can get in touch with us at musicchallengepod at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook. Just search Music Challenge Pod and like us to follow us. We hope you enjoy the Music Challenge Podcast, and thanks for listening. to the music challenge podcast uh my name is andrew i'm here with rob and kevin i wanted to say jed so bad but i knew that wasn't who i was looking at yeah we don't have jed jed's here in spirit yeah right we miss him hey jed Jed. yeah so i'm sure he'll be glad to hear all this since it's being broadcast live into his headphones right now but uh uh so he's um, vaccinated, so the microchip will get to his brain. Right, of course it will. Right, yeah. he hears it. He's hey, good, Jed. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, he just signaled me. 
Just kidding, folks. Uh, get vaccinated. Are we? Uh, <laughs> get vaccinated. Uh, in any case, we just came back with a hotel illness to uh, start talking about the Black Crows, the Southern Man. Harmony, and Music Companion. He he remembered it almost Southern Harmony Musical Companion, but yet. He Damn. said he wasn't going to do it, folks. Yeah, he Chris did. Robinson uh, nabbed that name from a hymnal. He did. The Southern Harmony. He did. From like yeah. a Baptist hymnal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The whole title. Yeah, of course. He had the- right, of course. That was Chris <laughs> Robinson. That's what he did. <laughs> I hate to say it. But, um, um, yeah, what's, uh, talk about this album a little bit, Rob. What's the connection? So th- this album was was important to me as I just moved to Hawaii to go to school. And um, it was after my early Zeppelin days. When when I say after, like after I had discovered Zeppelin, you know, so that was like junior high and high school. And then mm-hmm. there was Black Cro- the Black Crows, right? And this this record was released and... I loved it. I mean, amazing. Um, and it and it kind of it, it took me from high school to college, um, and opened me up to some some I don't know current blues rock that I loved. Um, and it, it, it if it's if it's anything, it is probably in my eyes, the finest version of the Black Crows. Oh, yeah. In a, it's in a good. studio. It's for sure. It's yeah. a good album, I thought. I mean, oh, I mean it's a powerful album. When, and when you think of the, the Black Crows, like, in their sound, I think this, like, typifies it. Well, I mean, two words. Mark Ford. You know, right. Rich Robinson Agreed. can't play guitar. <laughs> you know, like he can he, write, but he can he, write, but he can't he can play guitar a, like Mark Ford can. No, I'm trying to no, say. Hell and like no, hell just no. keeping him in a rhythm guitar spot. Um, yeah, this is the best version of the Black Crows that ever existed, right? right? Before right. all the conflict, before all the bullshit, right? Right? Like Be- this before is before they knew they were all assholes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. before it all came to a head, this was like the, what they were supposed to sound like. Yeah. Right. In, in, go ahead. The, I'm just going to backtrack it just slightly here. I mean, this lineup of the Black Crows didn't exist, you know, like what, four years later or something like that? Sure. Yeah. It, it was, it was something close to that. I mean, and then it just became a, like a, like a changing thing. Yeah. Mark Ford only lasted for like three albums. He had some problems, right. but also, yeah. you know, like these are the hardest guys to work with in show business, you know, um, brothers that have ridiculous personalities. Right. And um, uh, constant conflict. Absolutely. In in part, you know, folks, if, if you're interested in, it is an interesting story. The black crows just as a band are an interesting story. And if you're interested in it, read, um, hard to handle by Steve Gorman. Dude, yeah. it is it is like required rock and roll reading. It's so good. I mean, everything you can imagine that would happen with big rock and roll did, 
and he describes it and he was there from start to finish. He was their drummer. Amazing. Um, and yeah, and he he's loves, an amazing drummer too. He yeah. loves this fucking record too. Yeah. Like, he's a genuinely good guy. And he's he like, I, I can't say enough about this book. Um, and it like, I, let's put it this way. Um, the Black Crows for me was a band I got into probably too early, like just in the sense that I listened to their first album. By the time this album had come out, my musical taste had changed so radically. I think I was probably into more of the like grungier stuff that went into like electronic stuff, which went sure. into alternative stuff. And like, I had right. kind of left this music behind and, you know, I, I mean, uh, who could ignore the hits though, right? There's four number one hits on this album, right? right that we right, talked about. Right. Um, the first Remedy, three, right? Me. Like the first song, Sting Me. Um, Amazing. Right? Like, yeah. Um, and wasn't, yeah, go there, for wasn't there a first release off of this Remedy? And, and, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that song was ubiquitous all over right. the place when it came yeah. out, right? Yeah, absolutely. Impossible to ignore. Um, right. So those are the first two songs on the album. I mean, you know, they're, they're radio hits. They're, you know, probably MTV. There was a video for Remedy, if I recall, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like it was kind of all over the place. And this crap is 30 years ago now. It's insane. Dude, that isn't that to, to think about that. So this is 1992, right? And it's, it would still be 30, a number one today. 30 freaking years ago. Well, and, yeah, it, it musically it stood on an island because it was the only thing that sounded like it at the time. Totally. Nothing else was nobody else was playing music that sounded like this. Totally. And yeah. Yeah. They, they just couldn't they just couldn't not get in their own way. So continuing so continuing down <laughs> the record, um, Thorn in My Pride, right? right? Another number one hit, right? Right. Yeah. Was again, you couldn't get away from it. It was another tune that was constantly on the radio reminiscent of she talks to angels really right exactly Yeah, you know, kind of going down in the middle. Um, bad luck, blue eyes, goodbye. Um, right. You know, um, sometimes salvation. The, and, the, that, and, and that's my thing. I want to stop you at sometimes salvation. Yeah, no, no, go for it. Yeah, it's your is, album, dude. That is that is one of my favorite Black Crows tunes ever. And I feel that this album kicks into gear right at sometimes salvation and continues like it's just awesome tune after awesome tune at that point in well, my eyes. And one of the things I wanted to, before we get too far into it, that I wanted to like that sometimes salvation kind of makes me think of and, and really I took notice of upon re-listen of this album over the past week or so 
was their use of backup singers and how we were yep. talking about Amazing. that before, right? Like they just they just nail it. Um, it sounds so it's, it's was, so right covered, covered in vocals. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, his the way uh, Chris, Chris Robinson, Robinson's like, vocals to begin this, with, right? Just like Robert Plant, where like, <laughs> right. like he phrased exactly. these these vocalistics over the jams. He's like, right. uh, I'm not sitting down. I'm not getting out of the way. Right. Like, you know, he's in there just as well. You know, vocalizing. <laughs> soul thing right it's that and then and then the backup singers like just enhancing his like tone it's ridiculous i was saying to jennifer earlier today i was listening to this record before we started recording and i was like man maybe i would be a, as big of an asshole as chris robinson was if i could sing like that like maybe i would be that big of an asshole because dude, he can yeah. blow. I well, mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, this album is is clearly a vocal triumph for him, and it's you know going back to what you were saying before. It just it's so interesting how they pretty much sabotage themselves at every totally. step of their career by blowing off gigs or missing meetings or saying no to shit that they should have said yes to. Yes to just, right. You know, um, but. Yeah, th- at this point in time, if I recall correctly, Rob, help me out with this one if I'm wrong. Go ahead. This was a horde band at this point in time. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like them, Blues, Blues Traveler. Blues Traveler in like the Spin Doctors, right? Right, was Fish. Fish. Fish could have been in that Fish too. Fish joined in it. The first one. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they were a part of this too. And so like this was John, yeah, maybe this... Fish was maybe part of the first iteration, maybe in 91 and maybe the Black Crows right. after that. Right. Popper did a couple of iterations of that tour, if I recall correctly. But I know that, like, this band played... Um, they did their festival, work. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, and they, they played live. Like, they figured their sound out and they did their work and played live. Yeah. It, 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 this sound, I mean... I mean, I know this sounds stupid because we just talked about presence, but the sound is a lot like Led Zeppelin. Like, just like if you were standing in the middle of the amps, like you would get that same, you get that same sizzle and pop out of it. Like, absolutely. Like, you know, the, you know, the way it's mixed, something about it. Um, I mean, both bands, I mean, the sound is greatly based on their lead singer. Right. You can't get away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Vocally. I mean, it's, it, you know, Remedy is a great example of him just going over and over while the band is jamming out. Totally. Uh, you know, you know, there's lots of other parallels. I mean, the the drummers got that heavy drum beat like John Bonham, especially right. in the slower songs where he's just kind of got that churn going. Yep. Um, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's no way that Stephen Gor- Steve Gorman was not influenced by Bonham, right? Like uh, in. 
in, in that in that plant book. and Robinson parallels, like yeah, oh yeah, the connections are so deep with these two bands, and and it's just it's so interesting mm-hmm. how much overlap there is in their sound, down to the fact that the Black Crows, you know, called on Jimmy Page to play some shows and we're trying to figure some stuff out right. and then basically cut it off, which just burnt my ass more than a three foot flame. Yeah. I'm- and a bunch of other people as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, the story for those of you who don't know, and it's in Gorman's book, he's got a front row for it is that Jimmy page was so smitten by playing with the Black Crows, he wanted to go back to the studio and record some original songs with them. And Rich Robinson said no. Rich and, you know, right. and who right. the fuck is Rich Robinson to say no to Jimmy? No Page? to Jimmy Page, right? You know, and, and just the gall inherent in that kind of action of not stepping up and saying, "Yeah, what do you need? What can we do? How do you want to work together? What do you want to create? Let's get in the studio and figure it out." Like, right? You like have to I have by these- doing that. Yeah, I have the I am a riff machine and I have like 20 years worth of riffs. And Robert doesn't want to hang with me anymore. Right. You know, and I love playing with you guys. And John Paul's doing his own thing, you know. And then Rich Robin says, no, no, thanks. Like you fucking idiot. And so much so that they didn't tell Gorman right away. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like they were weasels about not sharing that information. I mean, they just, you know, and then Jimmy Page just kind of packs up his shit and quits the tour and says, see you later, man. See you guys. Been cool hanging with you. I'm going to go. Yeah. You know, I tried and just to, to shut the door on a legend like Jimmy Page, um, you know, and there's a recording of their tour together live at the Greek and there's some, right. That's what it is. And there's some great performances in there and it's well worth obscure tunes and some tunes off of presence, to be honest with you. I watched nobody's fault, but mine today on video from the Greek. Right. It's, uh, there's just some good stuff there. And, you know, it makes, um, Chris and Rich Robinson, hard people to root for. Um, exactly. At any cost, you know. And, exactly. You know, as, as you can imagine, Gorman's not part of the reunion tour um, because so, he's negative. Because he tells the truth, you know. Let, let me let, jag bags. Let me let me interject here too, because I heard somebody on the radio on Rock ninety five. We live in Chicago, and we're listening to it at work. And I'm calling this son of a bitch out. He's like, and this is just the company man, right? He goes, and the original drummer, Steve Gorman's not not on the tour talking about the Black Crows coming back around and doing a reunion tour. But right. Steve Gorman's not drumming because they don't want any drama on this tour. And I was like, dude, shut the fuck up. Are you kidding me? He wasn't the drama. It's the brothers, for Christ's sake. And you know who the guitarist is? Nope. It's the guitarist from Earthless, dude. Is for real? Is there, yes. Dude. Oh my god. Oh shit. Wow. You know that's just a cash grab, dude. You know well, it. And they're you know they're shorting the hell out of him. Oh you know, hell yes. They couldn't afford Mark Ford. You wouldn't like, want to go anywhere near that right. train wreck. So I don't know. Yeah. Um well I if if hey, if Seeing those two guys and some 
some hired hands play Black Crows tunes is your thing. God love sure. you. Exactly. Um, for $195. There you go. And 185 will go into the brothers' pockets. And, you know, <laughs> right. they, they'll, they won't pay the rest of their band. Um, right. You know, and then they'll still try to... They'll record it all live and release an album so they don't have to pay them studio fees. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so... You know, but but this is a masterpiece. Like you it's said, amazing. this is this is peak Black Crows. This is like peak Southern rock, right? You know, Southern early nineties kind of right. It's and it's kind of timeless. You know, like it was it made is. in the early nineties, but you, you, it's you can't put a stamp on it. Like as far as an era, really, because sure. it's, it's I mean, you could timeless you sounds. Could, you could mix it in with some with some Almond Brothers and some Skinner, like you know, early Skinner, and you wouldn't know the difference, right? Exactly. You wouldn't know it, that they weren't written in the same decade. I mean, they could sit right next to any like old Tom Petty, you know, late era Absolutely. Tom Petty, right? Like, yeah, it's just it's um it 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 really sounds um you know kind of like perfect with the recording quality and the vocals and Mark Ford's guitar and yeah, it hit you know? it out of the park for sure. I mean, whatever concept this album is, they fucking drilled it um, without a doubt. So I like Black Moon Creeping quite a bit. Yeah, I don't know why that one really stuck out to me. In in like in like uh, Kevin talked about hotel illness and no speak no slave. I mean, mm-hmm. from from sometime salvation going to the end of the record, it is just pure black crows. Like the way they should have sounded for five more albums and couldn't figure it out. Not to say that Amorica, I love it. I mean, I love that record too. But well, and you know, the they continue the tradition of just kind of paying nod to the legends by covering that Bob Marley tune at the end. You know, time will tell. Right, um, right. and it's so good. I mean. Um, the chorus of that song and the way that those uh, background singers oh, yeah. pitch in and they just turn it into a gospel song um, from a reggae song. It's, I don't know, it's it's super cool. And, you know, I would urge you to listen to those two back to back. Like, you know, find Bob Marley's version of Time Will Tell and then listen to what the Black Crows do to it. And it's just, um, it really is a, kind of a, a beautiful interpretation with those singers and the vocals on that song are amazing and a great way to end the album. Right. And in kind like, 
like we talked about, Chris vocally on this album is like his peak, I think. And that's kind of like, hey, look at this, you know. That's a total vocal tune, obviously. Big time. You know, the Bob Marley version is pretty mellow, you know. Um, and this Black Crows one, um, yeah, like I said, it kind of just it brings down the house and is a right. really nice way to, to finish it out. It's a great choice, dude. Thanks, man. Yeah. Right on, right on. Well, I guess that brings us to uh, another end. Of a music of the music challenge podcast. Want to make sure I get that right? Please uh, rate and review us, please. I yes, mean, we love you, Jed. Yes, Jed, we miss you. We love you, and folks, Jed, Jed rate and review us. Yes, rate and review us, and also, yeah. Uh, what were you going to say, Rob? I was just going to say for Jed, give us five stars. Right on. Totally. Yeah, because that's how this thing moves. That's how uh, people get exposed to us. And, uh, um, because we don't we, want to expose ourselves, we need you to expose us. Okay, man, please just, don't make hell, us expose ourselves. Hell bent on me not getting this pitch out, but, uh, any case, thanks for uh, dropping by on this episode of the Music Challenge podcast. And, uh, we'll check you out later. Thanks, Bye. Y'all. See you guys.